I'm reading from 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Thank you, Shirley. Good morning. My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here at Redemption Tucson, and I'm very glad you're here and glad to be together in this moment. Thank you, worship team. Joel, messing with my emotions. I, uh, wow, that, man, that, that just hit home. I ne- needed that, that reminder, that good news. And we're only just, just beginning here, so uh, uh, I'm excited to see what the Lord has in store for us together this morning. If you're new uh, or you've never heard me preach before, I again want to say welcome. We're glad you're here. I also want to let you know I have a stutter. It'll kind of come in and out. As I preach, uh, Pastor Marcus, I guess it is, it is contagious. You said you were struggling, talking, so hang around me long enough, and you can be cool too. And, um, oh, hey, this is right here. This is cool. I didn't realize this. Uh, so, yeah, I'm actually going to move this because we intentionally, you might not even know this, but we intentionally put this um, up higher so that we are reminded that uh, we submit to the word of God. And, um, and so uh, uh, that's just a, a, a physical reminder of uh, why we're here and who we're hearing from as we gather. So uh, will you turn in, in God's word? As we said, we believe it is holy and perfect and without error. And so as we uh, expect to hear from God this morning, as we do every time we gather together to be encouraged or exhorted or maybe some of each, um, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 5. We have two more weeks wrapping up our time in 1 John, then we'll be starting a new series in, in a few weeks. So if you don't have a Bible with you, I would love for you to have one to follow along, to underline stuff, to put, you know, question marks, things like that. Um, if you have an app or something, that's great. But if you don't have one, you forgot it, or you don't own one, or you just don't have it here today, will you hold your hand up high and keep it up and we will get you one. Okay. We would love for again, everyone to have a copy of God's word. So hold your hand up high. Here's one right here, front and center. And, um, Now, again, we will get you one. And if you would prefer in Spanish, if that's your heart language, we we have them in Spanish as well. And uh, now before I I pray and we get into our time together in 1 John, uh, again, chapter 5, I want to just acknowledge, again, many of you are new. Maybe you've been gone throughout the summer and you're back now. You're you're students, maybe at Pima or at the U. U of A, um, I was also just thinking about this this morning as I have three 16-year-olds um, and, and this day is coming soon. I was just praying. I want you to know if you're, if you're parents with your kids and you're dropping them off, just I can't imagine the, the different emotions and, and fit feelings and what that is like. Just life is full of um, simultaneously often rejoicing and grieving. 
And um, even I've noticed that more and more at um, weddings. I was just got to officiate one a couple of weeks ago and was just again reminded that it's, it's celebration and fun and joy, but there's an element of, of grief, of just transition. And so um, I want to let you know again, we're glad you're here. If you are a student, you're a parent dropping off a student, maybe you're a student who follows Jesus. And like me, maybe you, you were in a home that the parents didn't necessarily. We're, we're glad you're here. Where, or maybe it's the opposite. Your parents and you, you drug your kids to here. Uh, you drug your kids here this morning. And whatever the case, we're glad you're here. Um, as M- Marcus said earlier, we have a, a, a thing at the 11 o'clock service called DNA. It's a great way to, to, to find out more about our church. You can get plugged in. We have things called RCs, Redemption Communities. But we also love to partner with and support a lot of the college ministries that are going on here at the U, U of A that are really focused in more specifically on, um, again, that very unique and very important uh, kind of season or time of life. And so, um, I want to encourage you, actually, again, to get to know them and uh, get to in, involved there. I'm not going to go through them all because they're a whole bunch. But um, I'm actually, uh, m- many of the staff m- members from those different m- ministries go here. So I'm sorry. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot. But if you work for one of those main ministries, crew, navigators, athletes in action, young life, uh, navigate, I forget what I said and didn't say. Again, sorry if I left them out. Um, I don't know what that sign is back there. There's one that I maybe missed, but um, will you stand actually, if you're an intern or on staff or something, and I want to pray for you. And also, uh, yeah, there we are. And so also just to let you know, um, you know, who these, who these folks are. And um, so again, you can see, so remain standing now and we're going to pray for you uh, and for us as we go into this time. All right, Lord Jesus, um, thank you. As Joel said earlier, as we heard, um, reminded, you rose from the dead. And as that even just sinks in for a moment, that changes everything. Whatever we're facing, whether we feel like we're at the highest high and we can't be touched, or we are at the lowest low and and it seems like there's no hope, um, you are on the throne And you are proclaiming, Jesus, that you are making all things new. And Lord, we pray um, for us this morning as we come under your word that you will speak to us. You will turn our eyes from ourselves or our circumstances and and let all those things be informed by who you are, what you have done and what you are doing and what is still to come. Lord, I want to pray specifically for, again, college students or um, people who are just m- moving here, maybe for a new job or, or just a new start. Um, Lord, we pray for them. We pray specifically now for the, those who are standing here. We know that these um, men and women who work with college ministries are pouring themselves out. Uh, these couple of weeks, maybe starting a couple of weeks ago and looking ahead to a month or so down the road, it's a marathon. Lord, we pray for your grace over them. We pray that just like for me, sitting there eating a sandwich my freshman year after my first midterm that didn't go so great, someone intersected. You used people to intersect my life and to, and to change it forever. Lord, we pray and trust that you work in miraculous ways, that life is naturally supernatural. Lord, will you empower these college 
ministers to, 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 to have eyes to see, your eyes, or to pour into those who need to experience the life-changing good news of Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. All right, go ahead and have a seat. And um, again, we're, we're, we're praying for you. We're here for you. So as you turn with me and join me in 1 John chapter 5, verse 1, okay, this is what I want you, you to hear. For the love of God, obey and overcome. For the love of God, obey and overcome. All right, pick up with me, 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. So you might have been surprised to hear that phrase, for the love of God, right? Sometimes that's like, is that like a cuss word? Is that kind of somewhere in between the gray area? Is that using God's name in vain? Well, um, or you heard it and you thought for, like, oh, in order to get God's love, then obey and overcome. If you obey and if you just kind of grind it out and finish, then you will get God's love. Well, no, what we see here in this beginning, in this passage, and especially as we wrap up our time in 1 John, is this older man, this elder, kind of a coach figure, John, is wanting to encourage a group of followers of Jesus, some who've put their faith in him, some who have not, um, some who have walked away and are maybe walking back, maybe similar to us right here. He's saying, listen, stay the course. God loves you. You have been born of God. God has given you new life for God loves you. Not in order to get God's love, but because he loves you, right? Looking there again in everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Another way of understanding this is if you believe in Jesus, then you have been born of God. If you are born of God, then you love his children. Okay, another passage that helps us set, set home because I think we, we, how we start, how we become Christians uh, is important. And also I want to say often confusing. And it's important that we understand we've walked through this. This has been a theme throughout 1 John that God's love, he is the initiator that we love because he first loved us. Ephesians Chapter two actually kind of shows us some of this. Chapter one does the same thing, but we're not in Ephesians and I can't camp out there too long, but look with me here in Ephesians chapter two, verse one. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Outside of God intervening, we are naturally in our own state where we are is we're dead. Okay, but if you're alive, if you love God, it's because God has made you alive. It's because God loves you enough to give you life. In verse four, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. 
by grace you have been saved. That word grace is undeserved favor. And I had a list of some other verses to kind of support that. You might be thinking there are lots of others that I could have shared. There's one that we share often here in Romans. It says, God shows his love. He demonstrates his love for us in that while we were sinners, while we're dead, while we're rebellious, Christ died for us. Not, 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 not like he took the initiative. God loved us first. So, but I didn't share all those because there, I, there were more than 50. And so I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna kind of put that out there. But I want that to settle in for the love of God. Because he loves you. Obey, have faith. How do you know he loves you? If you love his children. Like if you've noticed a transformation in your life that you used to love things that now uh, they, you hate, you see them more clearly. Uh, you used to respond to other people a certain way and it was just easy, but now it's harder. You find a love welling up. Like you don't know even sometimes where it's coming from. It's because God has, has transformed your heart. And sometimes we get, we get all caught up in the order and what's this, what's faith and what is works, right? What comes first? What comes next? Well, I will say again, there is an important order as I just walk through. God takes the first initiative. God, God opens our hearts. He opens our eyes. He opens our ears. He speaks to us. He softens us. He moves toward us. He calls us to himself and we respond in faith. But from our perspective, it's like, um, it's like the Mexico City style quesadilla at Seis. Some of you don't know anything about that. I see some head nods. Some of you do. I thought of all these different things. I was, we have a thing in Redemption uh, Church called the Preaching Collective. As was said earlier, Redemption is one church in multiple congregations throughout um throughout Arizona. And one of the people in there, right? We, so 10 days before each sermon, we all come with our kind of bags packed and everything. And we've been underlying stuff. And then we, we kind of trade notes and swap ideas and no, this is what I'm seeing. This is a big idea. Oh, this is a controversial text. How are you going to handle it? What are you going to see all this stuff? You know, it's, it's super helpful. Well, also times like this, someone brought this up. And as we were talking, someone like, it's kind of like a chicken pot pie. And I thought, poor Phoenix, they don't know. <laughs> They don't have SACE. They don't have, um, they don't know. And, and so SACE, there are, there's incredible food in Tucson in general. And one of the, fa I've just noticed there's this place called SACE. They actually have two locations now. If you're new, you might go there. Um, it'll be packed, by the way. So I don't know, maybe wait it out, you know, or go sometime during the week. But there's this one dish. I asked the owners one time, if you had one dish to represent your restaurant, right? Like M&M, you only had one shot and you had to put it out there. What would it be? And they said the Mexico city style quesadilla with al pastor, right? A, a certain type of, type of, type of pork. And it's, um, and, and it's like, you're eating it and you're like, I don't know where one flavor begins and the other ends and what's going on here. It's just this incredible, like party of flavors. That's our faith. <laughs> okay. It's, where does, where does God loves us unconditionally? And that is true. But at some point, that unconditional favor 
of God leads to a life of obedience and faith and, and love of others and faithfulness that it's hard to, from our perspective, right? We want to stay like, like faith is not um, just a set of arbitrary sentiments and statements. It's not a stuffy religion. Okay, following Jesus, Christianity is, is, is God initiating, God loving us. And that love leads to realities that will show up in our lives. Obedience is a gift, a fruit, a result of God's love. For the love of God, because of the love of God, obey. Picking up in verse two, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. Okay, again, it's, there's uh, ver, uh, verse two, the first part. How do you know you love God's children, right? By this, we know that we love the children of God. Well, how? When we love God and obey his commandments. Well, what is the love of God, right? Verse three, what is the love of God? How do we know we're loving God's children by keeping his commandments? Well, what are his commandments? What is that we obey him? What is his love that we obey? Okay, loving is obeying. Now, why do we struggle with that? Like, let's just be honest here, okay? This is a place where hopefully we can always be honest. We don't beat around the bush. We're gonna, we can take comfort in knowing that we're gonna be uncomfortable together. Let's just be, why do we struggle to obey? Why does it feel stale and, and kind of um, transactional to even talk about obedience? Like, we've kind of created a Santa Claus figure that is actually not loving and not powerful because God is loving because God is powerful. He calls us to obey. I think in our, in our cultural, for the most part, kind of as in, and I'm just going to call it out right now. Right. My, I love where we are. I love that. I was born in the U S my mom was actually born in England with bombs dropping all over the place. When she was born, I'm thankful that we, I was born into the culture and the place and the, and, and the, and the time that, that I was, it's also important for us to acknowledge some of the blind spots that we have. Every, every culture has things to celebrate and things to resist has blind spots. One of ours, I think, is our like deep drive for autonomy. All right, one of the state flags, some of you who know this stuff more than me, I think it's, I think it's Virginia, has like a Latin phrase on it. It's like, like never again will we be ruled by a tyrant. Is it Virginia? I see a Virginia. Okay, it's Six Semper Tyrannus or something like that. It's like, it's like, this is what happens to tyrants. And it's a, is it, I don't even know who's, but some, some tyrant is under the foot of 
like America. And it's like, you want to be a tyrant to us? This is what happens to you. You get stomped on your neck. All right. You don't mess with us. You don't rule us. And again, that's, I used to talk trash with my mom all the time because again, she's from England. I'd be like, we whooped y'all. And right. And we go back and forth and, um, and, and, and yet, and, and, and so there's something good about that, but it also, there's something that that relates, that translates into how we interact with God. Oh, I don't want to obey your commandments. Um, or I'll, I'll, even whether we admit it or not, we treat God often like he's a hired advisor into our lives. We'll take your, I'll take your considerations and suggestions, God, but ultimately, um, don't be a tyrant over me. God has proven that he's powerful and that he's good. He died in our place and he conquered death by raising from the dead. I actually heard it said once that the best, the, the, the best form of government is a benevolent dictatorship. And that's only truly possible in Christ. Only Christ has the authority and power and goodness to benevolently rule. Obey. He knows what we need. God's commandments are not burdensome. They're not mean. They're not cruel. They're meant to be for the flourishing of all people. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 says this. When Jesus is asked, like, Okay, how do I obey? What do I do? What's the most important thing to do if I want to obey God? And this is what he says. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Insert all of life. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. All of life is all for Jesus. And Jesus cares about all people. He cares about everything that he created. And he calls us to live our entire lives in our thoughts, our words, our actions, loving him and loving others. And that can feel like a weight, like a burden. For the love of God, obey. And again, just even now, like think about what does, what's, what's welling up inside you when you consider obeying? What has God gently and yet firmly been calling you to walk in obedience in that you've been resisting. The reminder is that God's commandments are not burdensome. The second part of verse three in first John, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Earlier, Megan read in the call to worship, Jesus calling people to follow him. And this is what he says in Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There are commandments that he calls us into, but they're ultimately life-giving and good and empowering. He's saying, listen, come to me, 
all of you who have been, who have, who have drunk the Kool-Aid, who have believed the lie that your autonomous power is going to give you life and courage and strength and fulfillment and identity and purpose. You've been wandering on your own and I get it, God says. You've been trampling over each other. You've believed the lie that goes all the way back to the garden when the serpent said, surely you can be like God and then you'll really have life. And ever since we, humanity, have handed that baton down generation after generation, family after family. We believe the lie and we're, 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 we're floundering under this burden. And Jesus says, I love you. I've given you life. You're born again. Now come under the good news of obeying my commandments and overcome Picking up in verse four, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Except the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God. God's love empowers his people to overcome the world. Okay, that word world is systems and structures and, and, and relationships. And again, what we see when we look in the mirror, what we do when we swipe our credit cards, all the things that is life outside of, out from under the covering of God's loving command, of God's loving commandments, of God's benevolent dictatorship. That's the womb world. He says, again, you're floundering under it. You're struggling, but come under my commandments and overcome. And now overcome, now is not the time where I can, overcome is not with might, with, is not like we're going to rule and reign and we're going to tear everyone else down and we're going to do all this stuff and we're going to see this happen. But it means, it means a, a heart posture it means an uncircumstantial peace. It means a boldness and a confidence that is somehow only through Jesus married with, coupled with humility. Overcome. Because I love you, because I've given you life, Jesus says, obey. And as a result, overcome. Let me, let me ask a couple of questions for us to consider here as we kind of close our time right now, as we prepare to respond, if you are a follower of Jesus, how is that, like, have there not been times where you came out of maybe a prayer session, you, you came out of a Sunday service, you confessed a sin that you'd been holding onto in, in private and you finally brought it in to the light and you shared it with some friends. Maybe you're not a, Christian and your understanding of Christianity has been all about, again, a kind of a tyrannical God who will love you if you obey his commandments rather than one who loves you so that you can be set free to obey his commandments, to flourish and thrive under his oversight. It's, it's freeing. 
kind of true confession here. The last number of weeks, I've, I've shared this a couple of weeks as I've, as I've preached that I need, need this. My wife is nodding her head. She's like, you need to go to church. Um, I like it, it, Sunday, our corporate gathering, as Pastor Keith says sometimes when he starts our, our service and all the volunteers are gathered. What's happening here on Sunday morning is we are remembering and reciting the true story of the world. That, that God is a benevolent, powerful creator and that he created us to thrive and flourish as we bear his image like a mirror. We, 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 we put his, his power and his goodness on display through our lives, but we have believed lies that life is actually found elsewhere and we've wandered away from him. That's sin. We've rebelled against him and that he could leave us there, but he hasn't. He's pursued us and he's called us back into a reconciled relationship where we can flourish and thrive under submission to him. And then he proved that and he made a way for that to happen by dying on the cross and raising from the dead to reconcile us to him, to ourselves, to our spouses, our roommates, our neighbors, the world, creation. And then one day Jesus said, I will return and everything will be made new perfectly and you will thrive and flourish and live with me, Jesus says forever. That's the true story. But throughout the week, we are tempted to believe other stories and we believe those stories and we suffer for it. Not because God is punishing us, but because when we come out from under his care, Life is not the way it should be. It's a struggle. It's a grind. So again, I ask you, have you at some point in your life experienced that life, that freedom, that uncircumstantial peace, that no matter what you're facing, God's power and God's goodness sets you free to flourish and thrive? Have you maybe walked away or wandered as this morning or this new season, a chance, an opportunity to, to repent, to confess. God's not going to take you out to the woodshed. He's not going to harm you. He loves you. He's inviting you and calling you back under his lo loving care, his covering, his light burden. Or you haven't followed Jesus. He's inviting you. He's calling you. Is your heart softened? Are your ears and eyes open to see and respond in faith to the good news of Jesus who loves you, who died for you, who's calling you to put your faith in him and to find life? For the love of God, let us obey and overcome. Father, we come before you right now in response. As I just prayed and, and said, Lord, all of us individually are, are before your feet, are before your face. Your eyes are fixed on us. That can be a really uncomfortable feeling. But as we consider your love for us, your self-sacrificial love for us, 
Lord, we are set free now to look at you, not with, not with disdain, not with arrogance, not with fear, but Lord, to, to experience your love and your kindness. I pray that those who have maybe never put their faith in Jesus, or that they will consider your invitation, your call, even this morning, or to put their trust in you, to enter into a reconciled relationship of flourishing, of obedience and overcoming. And for those of us who throughout the week, maybe even this morning, have, have wandered away, have, have stepped out from under your covering, Lord, will you, by your spirit, lead us back to respond to your call to come under your care. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.